Andreas. Come this way. Come this way. That's great. Wonderful. That's such a beautiful song. Amen. Jesus, strong and kind. And we praise the Lord for that. Let's take our Bibles this morning as the young people are making their way out and open to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 4, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's begin reading in verse number 4. He says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would just bless now uh, as we just study it together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the beautiful songs that have been sung this morning, the special with the young people. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you are strong and kind. And, Lord, that you sought us out. Lord, that you want us to be saved. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just work in the services this morning, uh, Lord, in hearts. Um, Lord, I don't know what anyone here needs this morning. Only you do. And so, Father, I pray that you would just encourage and strengthen. Uh, Lord, convict. Uh, Lord, just draw us to yourself. Lord, that you would be glorified through it all. Bless now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we looked at the first three verses of chapter 2 and really saw how Paul shows us that we were dead uh, and in the grave, uh, dead in trespasses and sins, uh, and in this grave being dead. But we saw how he begins and he says, And you hath he quickened. Uh, He made us alive and brought us out of the grave that we were in. Uh, He saved us, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, and in verses 2 and 3, it's a pretty bleak picture that, God, that Paul paints in these verses about mankind, um, about how we were in time past walking according to the course of the world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, and uh, how we walked after the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. That's a very bleak picture uh, that Paul gives of, of humankind. And may I say, that is the depiction of mankind today. That's exactly what we find today. Um, but I'm very thankful that Paul did not end there. I'm thankful that he continues, and we're going to look at this in just a moment. The problem is, is that a lot of Christians, um, and last last week our, our the title was Out of the Grave, and we saw how even though we were dead in trespasses and sins, Jesus Christ was willing to quicken us. He was willing to make us alive and bring us out of the grave and, and to save us from our sins. The problem is, though, many times and with Christians, there's a lot of Christians that like to hang out in the cemetery. We like to hang out in the cemetery um, instead of living the life that God has for us. Okay? And, and this morning, last week, we looked at 
how we came out of the grave. Jesus Christ saves us out of the grave. But this morning, if I could just challenge you, and, and I, I hope uh, sometimes the reason why I try to bring uh, a specific title is to just to help you to remember it, right? So today, I want to encourage you, stay out of the cemetery, okay? Stay out of the cemetery, right? Now, please don't, don't be like, well, pastor said we can never go to the cemetery and, and see any. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Um, and I think you'll understand as we go on what we're referring to here. But I want you to notice two little words that I think can help us today. Um, these two words are only three letters each, and they begin in verse number four. But these two words make all the difference. What do those two words say? But God. Come on, say that with me. But God, right? So think about, he's showing us the, the situation of mankind. He's showing us how we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God. Just, just think about that for a moment. Think about where you were in that grave, dead in trespasses and sins, but God. God. I tell you, just that right there ought to encourage us. That right there ought to, to cause us to want to live for Jesus Christ because of where we were, and then God comes into the picture. But God, and notice what it says, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. So I want you to think about this, but God, but God. And I want you to notice three things in this passage we're going to look at this morning, three things that, that God did for us that ought to encourage us to stay out of the cemetery. Hey, we're not in the grave anymore, right? Praise the Lord. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, we're not in the grave, but get out of the cemetery. Live for Jesus Christ. Live for him. Notice what he says. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. But God loved us. God loved us. Think about what it says. For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. Look, it's, it's hard to understand how God could love sinners lost in sin. We, 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 can't, we cannot even wrap our minds around why God would love us. And yet he tells us, for his great love wherewith he loved us. For his great love. Think about the, the amount of love that God has. That he would love those who were dead in trespasses and sins. Remember, we are dead in trespasses and sins because we chose to turn away from him. We rejected God. But God says he still loved us. And this love is so great. His great love wherewith he loved us. Only a great amount of love could love what is described in verses 2 and 3. When you think about and we really understand what he's describing in verses 2 and 3, 
It's only God's love that could love us when we were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, the reality is that we wait, we wait for someone to be lovable before we choose to love them. Right? We wait for them to do something good for us to see if we will love them. Are they going to treat us kind? Are they going to love us? Are they going to do something good for us? Then we can determine whether we will love them or not. That's, that's how we choose to love people, right? It's, it's based upon reciprocity. If, if you're going to do something good for me, then I will love you in return. But if you don't love me, then I'm not going to love you back, right? If you don't do anything good for me, then why should I love you? If you're not kind to me, why should I be kind to you? If you're not going to be gracious to me, why should I be gracious to you? Right? Isn't that how we are? Come on, be honest. That's how we are. But God knew that he could never wait for us to be lovable before loving us, or else it would never happen. If God had to wait for us to be lovable, if God had to wait for us to do something good for him to love, look, you go back up to verse number two and three, there's nothing in verse number two and three that God could say, man, this, just, this is just amazing. I'm so proud of you for this. No, nothing in verse two and three. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world. Not, about, not for God, but according to the course of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, we were following Satan instead of God. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath. You, you show me anything in verse number two and three that God just says, wow, that's just so good. I, you know what? You're so good. I think I'm going to love you for that. There's nothing in those verses that God just be like, wow. No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. God, God, if God were us, if we, if we were in the, the shoes of God, we would look at us and say, you are unlovable. You have done nothing to show me you love me. You have done nothing good. So therefore I will not love you. But God is not like us. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith his great love, he loved us. He chose to love, the Bible says. Notice in verse number five, even when we were dead in sins, even when we had nothing to offer him, even we, we had no life in us, he chose to love us when we were unlovable. He chose to love us even though we had gone away from him. He loved us. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is so great. And this is why Paul says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Now, come on, just think of me about this. How much love did God have just for one of us? Just for one of us. How much love did it take for God to love just one of us when all of us are described in verse 2 and 3? 
And then that love is not just for one of us. That love is for every person. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. You see, that love that God shows is not just for one person or an individual or a group of people. It is for all of mankind. Imagine how great God's love is. That even though every single person that has ever been born, has been born a sinner, has been born according to verse 2 and 3. And yet he says, we're in his great love. He loved us. You understand how much God loves you? How much he loved you and me? that he would be willing to see us dead in sins and trespasses in the grave and yet offer us life. He loved us. He loved us. But notice, not only does the Bible say he loved us, but notice he saved us. In verse number four, again, think about it. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Think about it. Who is rich in mercy even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Rich in mercy. I love how he just keeps describing God, great, his great love, who's rich in mercy. The richness of God's mercy. Think about this for a moment. What do you do with a dead person? Again, I'm not trying to be morbid here this morning. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand what he's saying. What do you do when someone dies? You bury them. You bury them. Because of our death, it would have been very easy for God just to bury us. It would have been very easy for God just to put us away. You say, you know what, because of your wickedness, because of your sin, you're dead spiritually, you're away from me. You know what, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with you. Nobody takes a dead body. Again, I'm not trying to be morbid or crude or anything here this morning. Nobody takes a dead body and puts it in their living room. And leaves it there. We don't do that. Nobody, nobody, again, I, I understand there are some what man considers great people and they've put them in, you know, beautiful coffins and you can go and you can see them there, right? But let's just be honest, that just doesn't happen with most people. You bury them, they're dead. There's nothing you can do for them. God, even though we were dead, God just doesn't put us away. God just doesn't bury us and say, get away from me. God says, I want to offer you life. God, who, who even though, yes, we sinned against God in our trespasses and sins, God says, I have mercy. I love you and I want to offer you mercy. I want to offer you life. 
Again, God has a different idea. God acted in love. And what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to be buried and to rise three days later so that he could offer us life. Now, please, I want you to notice something, though. Please understand that we are not saved by God's love. We are not saved by God's love. God loves us. For God so loved the world, God loves every person. But we are not saved by God's love. Yes, God loves us, but we are saved by God's mercy and His grace. Mercy and grace are simply the outflow of God's love. Do you understand what he's saying here? God says that he says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. It is because of his love that he has for us that he offers mercy. It is because of the love that he has for all mankind that someone can be saved by grace. And that's why he says at the end of verse number five here, by grace ye are saved. Look, we are not saved by God's love. If, we were, if, we, if a person could be saved by God's love, then every single person would be able to be saved because God's love is for every person. But a person must choose whether they will accept Jesus Christ or not. That is mercy and the grace of God that he bestows that is through because of his love. We're not saved by his love. We are saved by his mercy, by God's mercy and grace. But again, that mercy and grace comes from his love because as John tells us in 1 John, that God is love. He is love. In his mercy, he does not give us what we deserve. We deserve death. Can I tell you? We deserve to be left in the grave dead. That's what we deserve. We deserve to die and spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But his mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, that mercy that God is, is, is showing us, that we, he will not give us what we deserve. And then in his grace, he gives us what we do deserve what we don't deserve god is saying hey not only will i not give you what you do deserve but i will give you what you don't deserve you don't deserve salvation you don't deserve a home in heaven you don't deserve eternal life you don't deserve to be called a child of god we don't deserve that but god says by grace because of his love by grace you're saved you see, we cannot save ourselves. Again, think about what Titus 3.5 says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. His mercy, not your mercy. His mercy, not your family's mercy, not the church's mercy. It's his mercy. And this is why he says, but God who is rich in mercy... You understand how merciful God has been? Again, sometimes we just go over things so quickly. Who is rich in mercy. How rich his mercy is. That he would say, hey, you deserve this. But I'm not going to give that to you. 
You deserve eternity in the lake of fire, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Oh, thank God for that. Why, why is he like that? Because he loves us. He loves you and me and every single person, and he is willing to quicken us. He's willing to make us alive and give us salvation through his mercy and through his grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith, he says in verse number 8. Again, at the end of verse number 5, by grace ye are saved. Grace is, is receiving what we don't deserve. We don't deserve it. But his great mercy, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Once Christ Christ dealt with all of our transgressions on the cross, when he arose from the dead, it became possible for us also to rise from the grave. Think about this. When he says, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, in, the, in sins, right? I'm thankful that's past tense. You were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. We've been made alive through Christ. When we, are put it, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not a church, not a work, not a baptism, not something good that we've done, but when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His mercy is extended to us. His grace is offered to us. And we're able to be saved. We are quickened together with Christ. Death, death's hold on us is canceled by His payment. God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. So he's loved us, he saved us. But I want you to notice a third thing here. Notice in verse number six. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Not only did he love us, not only did he save us, but according to verse number 6 and 7, the Bible says he has exalted us. He's exalted us. Now, we understand that Jesus Christ is the one who is highly exalted, that at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But notice he says, and hath raised us up together. So in other words, Just as Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave, so one day when Jesus returns, all of those who have believed in him will be resurrected. One day, if Jesus Christ returns and we're still alive, we will be caught up together, the Bible says. Our bodies will be changed, 1 Corinthians 15. He talks about how that that this mortal must put on immortality. And man, one day God's going to change our vile body and give us a glorious body. And what a great day that's going to be. And all of that takes place because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He rose from the grave and now we have that hope of the resurrection. And this is what he says. And hath raised us up together. But watch, watch. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. You say, well, yeah, pastor, we understand one day we're going to go to heaven. Well, that's true. One day we'll we'll go to heaven. And one day we're going to be with Jesus. 
Well, yeah, that's true. One day we are going to go to heaven and one day we are going to be with Jesus. That's true. But he's not saying one day. That's not what he said here. If you look at what he's saying, this is present tense. This is not future. One day we're going to be able to. No, no, this is this is present tense. What he's saying here and hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is not something that's going to happen. We will sit together. No, he says he hath made us sit together. This is right now. Physically, yes, we are here on earth. But understand this. Spiritually, God has already placed us in heavenly places with Christ. Spiritually, God says we are already there. You understand that? When we read the book of Revelation, right? We read the book of Revelation and we see the things that are going to happen, right? John shows us the things that are going to happen. And we see, man, the new Jerusalem and we see the streets of gold and and we see that there are those that are around the throne saying, uh, you know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And we see that there are uh, multitudes upon multitudes of people that are praising God. We, we see all that in Revelation, right? Is that all future? No. It's present. Many of that, much of that is present. Even though, yes, it is going to be future, it hasn't happened yet. To God, God's already says, hey, this has already happened. Why? Because God knows everything. He, he understands, he sees, he knows all that's going to happen. To God, it's already happened. And this is what he's saying. Hey, for you and I as Christians, yes, we are here on this earth, but understand where we are spiritually. Understand that God says he already sees us as if we were sitting there with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. We are there. We're there. You understand what he's saying? It's not something that we have to hope for and wish for and maybe one day, you know, well, maybe if I die, then maybe I'll know for sure if I'm going to go to heaven or not. Friend, that's too late. It's too late to think about, well, maybe when I die, God's going to take my good and my bad and figure it all out. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works, friend. For by grace are ye saved, he says. It is through his mercy that he is able to save us. And then when a person is willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only does he save us, but the Bible says he exalts us. He has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, where is Christ? We understand Ephesians 1.20 says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We just, we just looked at that a couple weeks ago in, in, in chapter one, verse number 20. He is at the father's right hand in heavenly places. So when you put your faith in Christ, God quickened us together with Christ and made us sit together in Christ Jesus. Again, the word quickened, raised, made to sit, they're all in a, in a certain tense that is expressing what God has already done for those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you don't have to wait to be saved. You are saved. You don't have to wait for that to happen. You are saved. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are saved. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are quickened. You are made alive. You don't have to wait for that to happen. If you are saved, you are sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You don't have to wait for that to happen. It's now. It is now. 
We don't have to wait for it to happen. He says it has happened now, the very moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are made, we are made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If we are in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, then he says, guess where you're at, friend? You're at the right hand of God. You're sitting, in, you're sitting with Jesus Christ. Again, that, that is hard for us to comprehend, right? Because we, we, think in, we think of the tangible things that we can see, right? We understand we can't be in two places at once, right? I, I can't be here and at Dairy Queen at the same time, although I'd like to be, right? It'd be really nice. Eat a blizzard and be at church at the same time. Be really good. It's just not gonna happen. We can't be in two places at once because we have a physical body, But understand, God is not just speaking physical, he's talking spiritual as well. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he exalted us. He not only saved us and brought us out of the grave, but now he has made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God says, you are there. That's why you can know for sure the very moment that you take your last breath. It's not that you're going to be with him, you're already with him. You're with him there already. Yes, I understand that this physical has to be there. But he says, in Christ, we're already there. That's the spiritual aspect of it. We are made to sit in heavenly places. He's already done this for us when we put our faith and trust in Christ. He's exalted us that we, will be able, we are able to be with Christ. Not just for all of eternity, but even now. Even now we are. And verse number seven is just absolutely amazing. Because think about what he's saying here. He's raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And watch what he says, verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Again, in verse number four, he talks about he's rich in mercy right? In in, in verse number seven, he talks about how the the riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. His great love wherewith he loved us. Our sin, and, and please understand what I'm saying. God did not want us to sin. God's desire was for us to be obedient and to follow Jesus and to follow God. It was not God's desire for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree and to sin and to plunge all of mankind into this dead sin that we are in. It was not God's desire. But the Bible does say that all things work together for good. And because of our sin, because of our sin, it has given God the opportunity to show us a side of his character that otherwise may not have ever have been seen. The exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And what he's saying here, notice he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. What is, it, what is he saying here? In the ages to come, We have become, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, we have become, if you want to say, the trophies of his grace. The trophies of his grace that will bear witness to his grace throughout all of eternity. Right? Have you ever ever seen, um, 
in any type of sports, right, there's always a, there's always a championship. There's always a final, right? Whether it's the World Series or the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup or, or uh, soccer, whatever, there's always a final, right? And that final match is between the two last teams remaining, right? So they've, they've worked, they've, they've, they've exercised, they've, they've played, whatever it is. They've done all these different things until they get to this final match. And then in this final match, they're, they're fighting, they're competing for one thing, that trophy, right? They want that trophy. And man, when they win, it's amazing, right? That, it's just amazing what happens because when they win, they get that trophy and they hold it up and they kiss it. I don't understand why they kiss it. But everybody does it, right? You all see them like, oh, but they kiss it, they hold it up. And what, what is the purpose of that? What, before I go, what did that trophy do? Did that trophy compete in any games? No, that trophy didn't compete in a single game. The players did. So why is the trophy so important? Because the trophy shows what, they, what the players did to accomplish to get the trophy. You understand what I'm saying? The trophy did nothing. It was the players who did it. And that trophy is simply a representation. It is a symbol of what they had to go through to receive the trophy. God says, you are his trophy. You are a trophy of grace. You know what you did? Nothing. Nothing. You didn't compete for anything. He did it all. The trophy is simply there in the ages to come. Think about, look at this. This is absolutely That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He says in the ages to come, we are his trophy that people can look at us and say, wow, look at that amazing trophy. What did that trophy do? Nothing. Nothing. But God did something. God was the one who was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be born and to bleed and to die on an old rugged cross. But God was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to be buried and rise again the third day. Why? So that you and I could have eternal life. Why? So that Jesus Christ could show us as his trophies of grace. Do you understand what he's saying here? We are his trophies. We didn't do anything. He did it all. He did it all. And he says that in the ages to come, look, you think salvation is just about now? You got it all messed up. It's not just about now. He says that in the ages to come, what is the ages to come? Do you understand what age we are living in now? This is what is, when you look at the Bible, you'll find there are different ages. This is what we would call the church age. There is going to be the tribulation as well. There is going to be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on the earth a thousand years. Then there's going to be all of eternity. There are more ages to come. And God says that you and I as Christians, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as our Savior, that in the ages to come, we are the trophies that show His grace. We are the trophies that show His kindness. We are the sh- trophies that show His mercy. 
that in the ages to come, man, in the tribulation, I don't know how it's all going to be in the tribulation, and I don't know how it's all going to be in the millennial reign of Christ, and I don't know how it's all going to be in, 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 in eternity. I don't know that, but I know this, that some, maybe sometime during the tribulation, somebody's going to look at me and be like, you know that guy, Andrew, what did he do to deserve to be here? What did he do to deserve to, to be saved? What did he do to deserve a home in heaven with Jesus Christ? What did he do to deserve to be called a child of God? And you know what they're going to say? Nothing. He didn't do anything. You know what he is? He's simply a trophy of God's grace. He's a trophy of God's mercy. He's a trophy of God's kindness. When you look at the trophy, you understand the trophy did nothing. It was all God. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us with his great love, even when we were dead and trespasses and sin, for by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What do we deserve? We deserve to die and spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But we get to be a trophy. We get to be a trophy of God's grace and his mercy and his kindness that in all ages to come, people can look at us and say, hey, what did they do? Nothing. They didn't do anything to deserve it. It's simply God's grace. It's simply his mercy. God's kindness, that's what it was. God's love, that's what it was. And here's the thing, Christian. We started with this. We get saved, and God saves us. He gives us eternal life, and we're out of the grave. But you know what we end up doing? We stay in the cemetery. We want to be around the world. We want to stay with all the things. Look, do you understand what's in the cemetery? Dead things and pretty rocks. That's what's in the cemetery. Dead things and pretty rocks. And yet as Christians, we think that's where we're going to find our satisfaction. That's where our life is going to be fulfilled if we just stay in the cemetery. He says, get out of the cemetery. You understand what Jesus has done for you. He saved you. He brought you out of the grave. Now get out of the cemetery. Live for, live for Jesus Christ. Live that trophy of grace that he wants you to be. So that when people look at your life, like, man, what did he deserve to, to be saved? What did he do to deserve salvation? Nothing. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It's all because of Jesus Christ. I didn't do anything. It's because of him. It's because of what he has done. You understand, when, when we try to add to what Jesus has already done, when we try to say, hey, if you can just, you know, just be a good person and you'll be okay, and you join our church or get baptized or do this, you understand, we're trying to become our own trophy. We're saying, look at what I have done. God says, I can't accept that. Can't accept that. Did you notice how many times he refers to himself in verse number seven? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Has nothing to do with us. Has everything to do with him. But Jesus Christ. And yet we spend our lives as Christians wandering around the cemetery. Not living for Christ. 
thinking that the things of this world, the, the dead things, the, the pretty shiny rocks, that's where life is all about. And God says, it's not there. It's not there. Don't you know what I've done for you? I loved you when you were unlovable. I gave my son to die for you when you could not save yourself. I saved you through my love, my mercy, and my grace were shown. My kindness was shown, and that's how you came to know me as your Savior. That's how you came to know God. It's through what Jesus Christ did. And then we have the audacity to tell God that we're going to live our life the way we want to live it, doing what we choose. Friend, when did your life become about you? When did it become about you? If your life is about you, you're still in the cemetery. You're still wandering around the cemetery. Oh, yes, maybe you're saved, but you're still thinking life is about you. Oh, look at, look at all the things I can enjoy in life and look how wonderful things are. Look, these things pass away. You can't take any of it with you. But you have the privilege. The privilege of being a trophy of God's grace and mercy right now, right now. Yes, and in the ages to come as well. But right now, you have a privilege. You have the privilege of being what he wants you to be. When we think about what he has done for us, why would we ever want to go back? Why would we want to go back to the dead things of the world? Why would we want to go back to the things that could not save us? You say, well, Pastor, I'm not going to lose my salvation. No. But why hang out in the cemetery? Why don't you live the life that God wants you to live? Can I tell you? The life that God wants you to live, it's exciting, it's fulfilling. It's wonderful. That's the life that God wants you to live. In the cemetery, there's nothing fulfilling in the cemetery. Nothing exciting in the cemetery. It's dead. But God has life. And he wants you to live it. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us. And hath raised up us together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Maybe this morning you're still dead in the grave. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Friend, He loves you. And He wants you to be saved. Christian, maybe you're still in the cemetery. Oh, you're saved. You're out of the grave. But you're just wandering around the cemetery. No purpose in life. Just thinking the world has what is there to offer. You're not going to find it. Maybe it's time to get out of the cemetery. Find out what God has for you.
and live the life that God has for you and start being that trophy of His grace and His mercy. That way when people look at you and say, what's this guy doing? What's this lady doing? What are they, what, who do they think they are? Why, why, why do they get to go to heaven? What they do? Nothing. Simply by the grace of God. Because of His mercy, His great mercy, His great love, His kindness, that's why we get to go to heaven. And that's why we ought to live for Jesus Christ. But God. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not sure if you died where you would go. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you? God loves you. And even though you are unlovable, you might think, God has chosen to love you. You say, well, you don't understand what I've done. I don't have to understand what you've done, friend. God knows what you've done, and he says he still loves you. But his love cannot save you. You have to make a choice whether you will accept him or not. Will you accept his mercy and his grace? Will you put your faith and trust in him to save you from your sin? Or will you keep trying to live the life that you think is best to get to heaven? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. But I would like to know that. I'd like to know how I could be with Jesus when I die. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. Nobody else is looking around. I would like to pray for you this morning. And if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out or anything. I just want to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. Is there somebody this morning, Pastor, pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. And Christian, can I ask you? You might be out of the grave, but are you still just wandering around the cemetery? Maybe it's time to leave the cemetery and live for Jesus. Why? But God. He loved us. He saved us. He's exalted us. We're His trophies. Are you living for Him? The life that He wants you to live? Or are you stuck in the cemetery? Father, I pray You'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, help us to realize how important it is, Lord, that we live for You to be a trophy of grace. To help others see that it has nothing to do with what we have done or what we can do. But it's about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Lord, we were lost and on our way to a devil's hell. But God loved us. God saved us. God exalted us. Lord, may we live for you. 
a life that would bring honor and glory to you and help to point others to Jesus Christ as well. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, we'll just stand quietly to our feet this morning.